One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I'm back with my uh, co-host, Hannah Hogan. Bonjour. And we are back, fresh off a trip from Pittsburgh. Beautiful Pittsburgh. We got in yesterday. We had a couple of flight delays. Uh, We took two separate flights. Both were delayed. Two separate airlines. Both were delayed. Hannah was... Oh, I'll let Hannah tell uh, in a bit about her her experience in a plane. Yeah, I had one of those cliche yet dramatic uh, flights um, where um, when we were coming into well, Nashville. Well, let's let's tell it in a minute. Oh, let's tell it in a minute. Absolutely. Let's, let's save it for an on the roads uh, segment. I wouldn't dare tell it too soon. Yeah, don't tell it too soon. All right. So, well, we're excited to be back. Uh, we're here today, gone tomorrow. Again, we have one day at home, and so. Um, we're happy to do a podcast. We have the Comedy Festivals edition of the How to Become a Comic podcast. I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah. I think this is a pivotal episode. Well, Hannah's done a lot of po- uh, festivals. I've done a lot of festivals. And I feel like we have a pretty good grasp on what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. So where we've been, where we're going. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Uh, last week was an exciting week for me. Uh, on Tuesday, I flew to New York City, uh, where I um, did uh, a set at the Village Underground in New York City, which is the uh, sister club to the Comedy Cellar. Very exciting. I followed Mark Norman on stage, and uh, he crushed it. And then I had a very good set. And uh, felt good. And then I went to The Stand in New York City. They have a new club now, uh, The Stand. And I walk in, and the owners of the club know who I am. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I stood and talked to them for a while. They they said, we're happy that you're here, uh, which is amazing to me. So I went in and did a set uh, after Ari Shafir. Mm. And then, uh, and then Bonnie McFarland came after me. I love Bonnie McFarland. Yeah, she came after me. That's good. I might have actually bumped her a bit, mm. which is amazing. I bumped a comic. Mm. I don't believe that's ever happened to me. Not not other than being doing local shows. I didn't want to do it, but she said to me, "Are you bumping me?" And I was like, mm, "I don't know," but I only did five minutes, so it wasn't some long set. And that went well, and then I went over to Gotham Comedy Club and um, uh, had a good set there, which was fun. And then I hung out with my friend Eric Shun from Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, we went and had some frozen yogurt in New York. And then then the next day, uh, well, I rolled around. Michael Cox from The Tonight Show took me around to all those places so that I could do sets. Shout out to him. Great guy. Fun hang. I rode in a subway. I rode in a cab. I mean, I did the full New York City thing. Next day, 
I was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Wow. Very exciting. You returned. I returned. You returned to The Tonight Show. Yeah, it was my second time there. And I got to tell you, a world of difference between doing it one time and doing it twice. I mean, the first time, I was so nervous. I mean, I think I made Michael Cox nervous because I thought, I think he was thinking, Oh, no, I hope he does well now. Maybe this country bumpkin wasn't a good choice. Yeah, I was so nervous. But this time, I almost wasn't nervous at all. Which made me nervous. Yeah, it scared me a bit that I wasn't nervous. But uh, I don't know. I guess, I mean, just once you do something and then you do it a second time, it's like, hey, we've done this before. We know how this works. We know what's about to happen. So Mm -hmm. uh, it was very fun. I met Jimmy Fallon. Oh, I'd met him before, but I got to talk to him, and I gave him a Dusty Sleigh NASCAR shirt and a Dusty Sleigh hat, a white trucker hat. I was hoping he would wear it on the show. He did not. And then um, I um, talked to Mark Marin for a little bit. Wow. I met Mark Marin backstage. I saw Blake Griffin backstage. I didn't get to talk to him, but I saw him. and <clears throat> Very exciting. Wonderful experience. That's fun. Yeah. Was Mark Marin as curmudgeon as he seems like he would be? Actually talking to him, me and him and Michael Cox stood there and talked for a bit outside of my green room, and he actually seemed like a very nice, normal dude. Okay. I complimented him on, on his TV show on Netflix. I really liked it. I stopped watching it, but I liked it a lot. And uh, there was an episode where he went to Ray Romano's house to watch a, a game. I forget what it was, but... Mark Marin shows up in a jersey. I thought it was a really funny episode. I complimented on it. He took the compliment well. See, because I think that is an example of a specific compliment. Yes. Genuine and specific. I didn't say, hey, I really like your podcast. I really like your TV show. Right. Just generally, I'm a big fan, man. Right. I had a specific thing in mind. And I think that's more genuine. We're all fans of Mark Marin to some degree. Uh, we've all enjoyed his podcast or his TV show or his stand-up comedy. But uh, specificity, I think, is the key. But also, he could have been like, yeah, he could care less, probably. But we had a good talk. It was a good time. Everyone likes a compliment. Yes, I think so, too. I think you're right. Everyone, we never can get enough of them. Yeah. And then, after that, I flew from uh, New York City to Pittsburgh. I landed in Pittsburgh, and my wife landed there. She flew in from Nashville to Pittsburgh, and we got in a car together, and we rode into the city of Pittsburgh. And we had road again, and dusty on the road again, telling super funny jokes to all their friends, and dusty on the road again. Yeah, a lot of civic pride in the city, and he told us all about Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about, you know, headlining clubs is that the club hires a driver to pick me up. So they wait for me at the airport with a sign that has my name on it. And then I go get in the car and they drive us around. And me and Hannah were talking about Pittsburgh a bit. And this guy was quiet for a while. Which I respected. Yeah. And then we've started talking about Permanis, which is a pretty uh, uh, famous restaurant in Pittsburgh. And he chimed right in. And then the rest of the car ride, he gave us the rundown on the history of Pittsburgh. Yeah, he told us about the uh, floundering steel industry and yeah. uh, the business mistakes that Pittsburgh as a city and America as a country made regarding the steel industry. Yeah. 
and uh, and he told us about the different sports teams. He told us about the healthcare industry. Yeah, he got into it. And he told us about the fact that Pittsburgh has the most bridges of any city in the entire world, 446 and counting. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of bridges. I just love I just love facts like that. I just oh, I just love it. I just love thinking about them. And then we stayed in Homestead, Pennsylvania, which is actually where the club is at, Homestead, but it's just outside of the city. And t- what, what, what's up with Homestead, Hannah? Okay, well, Homestead, and I already knew this going in, uh, Homestead was uh, the famous Union Riot of 1892 called the Homestead Riot. And uh, the union workers under Andrew Carnegie uh, were demanding better pay, and Carnegie wasn't giving it to them. So the union workers revolted against the the mills, and there ensued a, a couple days of violent riots. And armed, armed guards had to come in, and several of the workers were murdered, and several of the armed guards were murdered. And, and um, it, I mean, back then, that was sort of the beginning of unions. And, uh, yeah, it's just fun and it's just fascinating. Good old like, fashioned fight. I you mean, know? it's just crazy. Nowadays, social media would have ruined it. But back then, we could have a good old fashioned murderous fight. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to think that, you know, where I was sitting drinking a, a, a country in sweets coffee is over 100 years ago where, you know, Union workers were fighting for their rights. Yeah, right outside of our window was some of the old smokestacks that they left. Yeah. And we had some of the best sleep of our life in that room. Yeah. Yeah. Country Inn Suites, shout out to them. We didn't even get a discount on the room, Mike, so we're not, they're not sponsors. But uh, we've been known to compliment a hotel on our social media yeah. based on a discount we receive. But yeah. uh, we didn't even get one here. I don't know. The club paid for it, but you know, it's funny. I was thinking that while I was staying there, I was like, I'd like to compliment. I would like to write a review just to compliment them. Yeah. And the room smelled good. It was a good, the friendly staff. Yeah. It was just a great place. Anyway, we had a good time in Pittsburgh, and then, um, so then we then I did shows at Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Improv, six shows, wonderful time. People came out. People that saw me on the Tonight Show came. People that saw me at the Grand Old Opry came. Uh, lots of nice compliments from people. I sold a lot of shirts. Wonderful people. Uh, fun fun shows. Just was great. I loved it. Beautiful club. I really like Pittsburgh a lot. I like Pittsburgh too. You know, and um, and I just I'd like to talk more about it here in a bit on the podcast. But the uh, we just really enjoyed it. The people were great. And then let's see, because I'd like to you know save that for so that we have a uh, on the road segment to play. My headphone got all weird here. There we go. Now it's back. Um, okay. So, and then this weekend, I'm going to Montreal for the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. I'll be there um, as part of the Variety Top Ten Comics to Watch. That's very exciting. You're 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 officially one of the cool kids. Yeah. Last year I was there as a new faces unrepped. This year I'm back. Variety Top Ten Comics to Watch. New face, up and coming. Right. So it's very exciting. I'm excited to go there. I mean, I got to be up at 5:30. Well, I got to be on a plane at 5:30 a.m. tomorrow, which is not all that exciting to me, but the rest of it is. I'll be doing a show tomorrow night somewhere with Fortune Feimster, which is fun. I've worked with her before. Yeah, she's fun. She is fun, and uh, and it's fun to. I I feel like I always get paired up uh, on these things with the other Southern comics, uh, you know, because she's Southern. Oh, is she? 
Yeah, because she was on when I was at Clusterfest. That was the Southern show. It was me, uh, Sean Patton, Fortune Feimster, Rory Scovel, Tignataro, all Southern. Awesome. Yeah, people don't. I don't think people realize that. But. Yeah, well, Rory and Tig don't sound Southern. Yeah. Well, Rory, Rory seems like he's doing a fake Southern voice the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he's special. Um, okay, but uh, so that's what's happening this week. So now on the road, let's talk a little bit about Pittsburgh. Our friend uh, and host of the week, Derek Minto, uh, took us around. Oh yeah. On Saturday, we filmed some footage. I am gonna. I don't. My laptop is not very good, so I, I haven't been able to edit a bunch of stuff. When I edit things, I have to do it at home, but I've barely been at home, so I haven't been able to edit things. But Derek took us around, and we got a great uh, – we took a lot of video footage of just downtown, the market area. We went through a fish market, a beef market, sausage market. I mean, uh, they had it all. We went around. We had a little sushi from a guy that had – you know, he makes the sushi roll right in front of you. Been doing it for 30 years, he said. Um, it was so fun. It was just like a really delightful street market, and I just kind of got in the zone of taste testing different foods. I got a cookie. I got some popcorn. I got some sushi. Yeah. It was just fun. Like, we were going to sit down and eat something proper, but instead we just kind of picked around. Yeah. It was fun. They had a lot of cool little stores. There was a uh, a store made entirely of, was it glass or steel? Steel, I think. Oh yeah, steel because yeah. it's the steel steel city. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, very fun. Uh, we really enjoyed the city, and then we had permanis, which I can't eat anything uh, anymore at all. My body is shutting down, so I uh, I ate a salad. But Hannah had a permani sandwich, a corned beef with fries on the sandwich. Yeah, we got some video footage of it. Yeah, I mean, it was too much for me, so I took the fries off. But I appreciated the presentation. Yeah, it was very good, though. It Look, was good, honestly. And I, I, I ate so badly this weekend, I still want to continue to eat badly right now. Yeah, I had one there before. I went. I did Pittsburgh in, like, 2015. I went with Brad Henderleiter, and we went up, and we had some permanis. And uh, it was very good. And um, so... Um, so then we also went to like a like a sushi place, and then like we walked in, and uh, there's like five girls sitting around. They're all just sitting by the door. None of them greet us, and uh, we just got to stand there for three seconds. Like uh, okay, <laughs> and then then they started waiting on us. But they had an attitude the whole time. I enjoyed it though. The service was good, other than the fact that they were not very friendly. And uh, I think that's more of a visual thing. If you could see what we were seeing, then it would make more sense. But I just felt like everybody was hungover. Just picture five hungover college girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are just like, I'm at work right now. But then we kept walking to the giant Eagle grocery store and buying things yeah. to eat. And, uh, yeah, so we had a good time. We walked around Homestead, Pittsburgh, great, wonderful time. Oh, my friend Aaron Kleber was there, who's a comic, who we worked on the road together a couple of times. He was guest hosting on the TV show, TV station that I did that morning for press. Radio was good. TV was good. And, you know, me and Aaron got on TV. I've captured that video. I'll add that into the video that I will eventually make for Pittsburgh. Videos are coming. If you've subscribed to my YouTube channel and you're wondering why I'm not putting out videos, they're coming. I just am behind. But I got some I got some stuff coming. It's going to be hot. All right. So, uh, and I guess that would be our food on the road uh, as well as our on the road. We'll combine those in. We just like to play those little sound bites. Uh, that's a good time for us. 
Um, and what do you have any other food things? What what else did we eat? Um, I think that's about it because I I'm I'm struggling. I can't eat. Well, stuff. we got some of that popcorn. Oh yeah. And I well, you didn't eat it, but I ate all of it. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I just want to continue to eat bad. Sometimes it feels so good to just treat yourself to just take. Not terrible food, but just, you know, not smoothies and kale all the time. Yeah. I had a kale smoothie this morning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really had an appetite for the last couple months, but I've been just... uh, It's coming back, and it feels good that it's coming back. Yeah. I just really... um, Sometimes I leave these weekends, and I I just want to remember all these details and talk about how much I enjoyed my weekend in Pittsburgh and how much I enjoyed being able to do the Tonight Show again. But, you know, as the time goes by, those memories kind of fade away, uh, even in just a few days. But people were very nice in Pittsburgh, and I I enjoyed all of those audiences. I mean, there was no – the club was great. They just remodeled the club. The guy – one of the guys there told me that their – the club had a bit of a bad reputation for a while because they had some uh, bad management. But the management is fairly new. And the club has been remodeled. The sound is is great. I mean, I thought it was an amazing club. And, you know, I'm not selling shows out, but I had a really good turnout, which I was shocked about because I haven't been to Pittsburgh really before. So it's exciting, very fun. Hot off the Tonight Show in Pittsburgh. Yes. And then, so then I flew home, and on my flight home, I got, I flew to New York to get my connecting flight. And then I got on that plane, and then they come on and they say... Um, we had to switch pilots, but the pilot's on the way. He'll be here in just a minute. So we're like, great. And then the, then they go, all right, the pilot's here, but now we're waiting on the second pilot. He'll be here in just a minute. We're like, okay, great. And they're like, all right, the second pilot's on the way, but he got dropped off at the wrong terminal. He'll be here in just a minute. And then they were like, okay, he's on his way over. He's being taxied over, but there's a lot of traffic. He'll be here in just a minute. So all those just a minutes um, added up to an hour and a half of us sitting on a plane with no air conditioner. The two guys in front of me, one guy had basically was reclined back in my lap, and then the guy behind me was so tall that his legs wouldn't allow me to recline back at all. I, I got into a little altercation with him. I apologize later. Uh, I didn't realize he was tall. I thought he was deliberately not letting me <laughs> lay my seat back. Uh and then that's the, a tough moment. Yeah, and then the guys in front of me were like fanning themselves with the menus, and they were pretty heavy. But basically, I hated everyone on the flight, and I was so mad inside. And then the air conditioner came back on once the pilot arrived. The air conditioner came on, and the plane cooled down. I felt so guilty for my anger for all these people, and and then I didn't hate them anymore. It's amazing what the heat can do to you. Mm. I mean, I was not happy. But once it cooled down, I was fine. I saw the flight attendant give the guy across from me a free Heineken, and I was so mad because I was like, I don't drink, and I want a free thing. And uh, you're giving him a free She was like, don't even worry about it. That's complimentary because of the delays. Why did one guy get one? Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's the only guy that ordered a drink. Everything oh. else is free. Oh. But I was so mad. I was like, I want a free thing, too, in my head, right? But I'm like, what do I even want? I don't even want anything. I'm just angry right now because it's hot. 
Yeah. And uh, But then it was fine. I apologized to the guy behind me. We made up. And Yeah, I mean, because your flight was at, what, 6 in the morning? Yeah, I had to wake up at 3.30 to go to the airport. Just, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, and so my flight wasn't until 9, but, and, but we were both getting connecting flights in LaGuardia. But I landed in LaGuardia, and you were still sitting on the runway yeah. in LaGuardia. Yeah, but then you flew home, and on your way home, what happened? So uh, from LaGuardia, I flew to Nashville, and when we were getting right to Nashville, there was a, a really big uh, thunder and lightning storm. And so the pilot was set, said, okay, we're going to be in a holding pattern for five minutes. And we're like, okay. And then another five minutes goes, and he said, okay, we're going to continue to do this holding pattern. There's a lot of thunder and lightning. We can't land. So we were in a holding pattern for 15 minutes. No big deal, right? And then he said, okay, so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and land now. So, so then he, the plane starts to descend and it's just all cloud, right? And it's just thundering. It's just like, it's a storm. We're going through a storm. There's a lot of turbulence, you know, turbulence is scary. You could feel the wings kind of going, um, like wonky. And so the plane's going down. I'm like, it's okay. We're almost there. The plane's going down. That's good. And then all of a sudden, like right before, we land the plane out of nowhere turns back up and speeds up back into the air like just really quickly out of nowhere you could just feel you were descending and then all of a sudden a steep incline up and fast and that was so terrifying because it was even worse turbulence than the descent and also it's it was obvious that something had gone drastically wrong because you don't go down 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 and then all of a sudden out of nowhere up and there's no word from the pilot <laughs> about what's going on and so I'm just terrified and I didn't really think we were going to crash or anything but it's just you know when you're up in that plane like that and you're shaking you it just it just sucks you know yeah it does and so, so we went steep up, 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 up. And then the problem with that is like it's just further anxiety of knowing you're still in the air and there's obviously some issue and, you know, there's danger around, right? And so we're circling around Nashville and, um, and we're, we just continue to like circle in the storm. There's just continued bad turbulence. And then it feels like the plane like just takes a completely different direction and um and then eventually lands again yeah. through turbulence and there was a lot of lightning yesterday i mean as i was yeah. going to pick you up it was really popping well apparently what happened was as we were landing um there was lightning yeah and so i guess the plane was directed to go back up into the air but it's kind of like go back up into the air where the lightning's from, coming from right. so so. Well, lighten it, yeah. And then um, my least favorite part of a flight is the descent. I hate when the pilot goes, all right, we're going to start our initial descent. And I'm like, oh, good. And then he goes, we'll be on the ground in 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh, hell, why even tell me? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Give me a little time. You're like, 45 minutes. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't need to know that. I like the descent. I think I don't like taking off. Oh, I like taking off. But the descent is, I don't know. That's where I just feel like I'm like. I feel like when they announce that we're about to start the descent, that means, all right, we're about to get off. But then when they're like 45 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm still on here for 45 minutes. All right, so let's go into advice for comics. 
Getting into comedy festivals. Week six. Season two. We are getting into comedy festivals. Here we go. This is my best advice on comedy festivals. If you don't live in New York City, L.A., or Chicago, comedy festivals may be your only opportunity to be seen by bookers and industry. I've never lived in one of those cities, so I don't really know the benefits of doing festivals if you live there, unless you're interested in working the road. It can be hard to get into festivals. You need a good video, a video that is not only visually good, but also great audio of you and a laughing audience, as well as jokes that also tell a little bit about who you are. I don't think most festivals care about whether you are clean, just original, and funny. Be unique. You can be the most unique when you are being yourself and talking about who you are and how you think. Start small. Honestly, depending on where you are at with comedy, you may not be ready to be seen by industry. But this is a great time to do small festivals with no industry. It's a good time to build your festival resume. Meet comics from other parts of the country and just have new experiences. Because it, it may be difficult for you to get into a big festival right away, but if a festival, a big festival sees that you've done a bunch of little festivals, then they'll go, all right, well, at least this person is out there trying. They're doing it. Maybe we'll accept them. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. They will cost you money. They being festivals. Festivals will cost you money. Until you get to a certain level, you will pay to submit, pay to get there, pay for your hotel, and pay for your food. It's an investment in your comedy career. People who don't do comedy won't understand, don't expect them to. The reason I say that is because in the past, I've been working a job and I would tell uh, someone, hey, I'm going to do this comedy festival. And they're like, that's cool, man. What are you getting paid? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm paying to, to go do the comedy festival. And they would be like, oh, well, that's stupid, you know. But it's not stupid. They just don't understand, and it's okay. Don't expect them to. You're investing in knowledge, experience, and contacts. Expect to spend this money. While at the festival, take advantage of everything they have to offer. Go to other shows. Go to the parties. Don't get too drunk or high. Don't try to hook up with people. This is a business trip. Treat it like business. You can have fun, but be professional. Treat every show like it's sold out. Chances are a lot of these festivals won't have any sold out shows. And if you're a comic from Tennessee that no one's ever heard of, then you probably won't be on the sold out shows. You'll probably be at some side room somewhere while everybody from New York and L.A. are at the sold out shows. Don't worry about that. Learn to work the empty room. You'll have many more of them. You'll need, you'll need the experience for when you get to bigger festivals. If you're a person that has social anxiety and have a hard time in crowds, you're not the only one. Do the best you can. All you have to do is be friendly. Most of the time, festivals, I just find a place to sit or stand and hang there. Not looking at my phone, and I observe the room and the people around me. Most of the time, people come up and talk to me. Being comfortable with yourself is important here. In my younger days, I wanted to be the life of the party, the center of attention. But with comedy, I get to be that 
on stage, and I don't have to be that anywhere else. I quit drinking, and oftentimes I feel pretty boring. But I am content with myself, and the only time I feel the need to entertain people is on stage. But at festivals, it's important to talk to people and get to know these people because they may become your friends and colleagues for a long time. Don't, quote-unquote, network with them. Get to know them. Be a real person and treat them like real people. Sometimes our jobs consume us and we become what we do, so these people are going to be important to you. But I've gotten to know agents, managers, and TV people that grew up a lot like me. So they are real people. Uh, This is the career you have chosen. Get to know the people that share your passion. I like that. Do you like this? Yeah, I like that idea. This is the career you've chosen. Get to know the people who share your passion. Right. And I mean, I think there's a tendency to be like, oh, this person is an agent. This person is a manager and they're they're going to be shady. They're going to be, you know, and it's like everybody is trying to make money. So managers, agents, lawyers, I mean, they're all trying to make money. And if you want to look at it like they're trying to make money off you, you can. But you're also looking to make money. So, you know, I mean, everybody's looking to make money. That's what we're all looking to do. And and I, to be honest, having uh, a good management team and agents and, 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 and the lawyer that we have uh, has been very helpful to me. I mean, the amount of money that I've been able to make with them has uh, more than paid for their uh, – for – I don't know the word. But what I've paid them is way more than worth it. If that makes sense. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. I don't know if I said that the right way, but the point is I have to pay them a percentage, but I'm happy to pay that percentage because the money that I've gotten to make is like, oh, this is much better than what I was getting on my own without paying the percentage. Yeah, they're working for you. Right. So it's great. While at the festival, don't treat any show like an open mic. If you only have six minutes and you're getting to do three six-minute sets, do the same six minutes every time. Just my personal advice. But if you have 18 killer minutes, do three different six-minute sets. Flex your material if you can, but if you can't, just be good every show. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I do think being good is is important. Yeah, I mean, because you may have the tenant, you may go, well, I just did that six-minute set on the last show. I don't want to do it again on here. But you only have six minutes. It's like... The last thing that you want to do is, you know, you do your six-minute set in front of a a crowd of people that there's no industry or bookers in, and then the next time you go, well, I'm going to try some new stuff because I already did that six minutes, but in that crowd, that's where the industry and the booker is at. It's better to just do the same six-minute set if that's all you have. Yeah. Get some business cards and pass them out. Not in a creepy way, but, you you know, just have something in case you're talking to somebody and they go, hey, uh, you know, I'd love to be in contact with you. Have a card that you can give them. Don't walk around like you're, you know, giving out, you know, I don't know, something. Just uh, <laughs> just just give them when, when necessary. Yeah. You know, don't, don't walk around trying to pass them out like it's a free buffet. Yeah, you're not trying to hand out your mixtape. Right. Right. Actually, I watched a lot of that in New York City. That's interesting. I watched guys, they would say, hey, uh, you want a a mixtape of my CD? It's free. And then the person would take it, and then they would run them down and go and try to charge them money for it. 
Why would they say it's free? I don't know. I just watched them do it. All right, here we go. Back to the thing. If you haven't already, create an email, a simple email that's just your name. If your name is John Smith, then you may have to get creative, but don't have an email that you're ashamed of. I had this great uncle named Pinky Roach. That was his name, and I thought that was the funniest name. And when I first got on the internet, I was very skeptical. I think I'm right to be skeptical, but I was very skeptical. I never wanted my name to be out there on an email. So I had pinkyroach at comcast.net. That was my first email that I ever had, pinkyroach at comcast.net. Yeah, I had dumb emails too up until a very short time ago. My first email was hollywood underscore 586 at hotmail. And then I had ireland.h. Yeah. For a long time. And you actually told me, like, those are terrible emails. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's just, I mean, their their emails are fine if you're just, you know, signing up for something here and there. But if you if you need to give it out, you want an email, one that's simple, like mine is uh, very simple now. So when I tell it to people, they're always like, oh, easy enough. Yeah. And that's what you want. It's a simple email with your name so that when you're giving it out to people, you know, it's not like, like like my buddy Danny, his was like Marty B something, and it's like, I bet he still uses that email. But um, it's just better if you have an email that, you know, and I know that, you know, Dusty Slay, thankfully, I was able to get that email. Yeah, your email shouldn't be a talking point. Right. Just People keep, shouldn't look at your email and be like, what's that all about? Yeah, just keep it simple. And don't be like, you know, Bob Smith, 69420. You know? <laughs> 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 like, Unless you're, you know, that cool. Yeah, and if you are that kind of comic, maybe. But uh, all right. And if you aren't getting into festivals, just try and try and try again. Change your video. Change your bio. Do whatever you got to do. Keep adjusting. I had a guy emailing me this weekend, and he was asking me about doing a guest set on the show, one of my shows at Pittsburgh. And I honestly was going to try to give him a guest set, and I forgot. Honest mistake. But I was just emailing him about getting into the club. I'm like, just go do the open mic and and, and you know and keep working. He was like, that's not how that club works. And I'm like, just if you if you if the club knows that you're going to be a clean, if you can be clean, they know you're clean and reliable. There'll always be a use for you because there's always going to be a fallout, a last-minute fallout somewhere, and they'll go, oh, well, Bob Bob will be able to do it. Call Bob. And then if you can come in and do a good job, that'll be great. So that, that's why I'm saying if you're not getting the things that you want to get, you got to change it up. If you, if you submitted to a festival with a video and didn't get in, don't use that video again. Get a new video. Keep recording videos. Buy a camera, as I've said before, and film every set so that you get a good video. Uh, when, when I got rejected from the Laughing Skull Festival, this was like probably 2012. Uh, I waited a year, and then I signed up for the open mic. I drove to Atlanta from Charleston, and I crushed it at the open mic. And I got to know people in the club. The next time I submitted, I got in. Uh, so, you know, it's like I took steps. I, I, sure, I complained. Sure, I was like, oh, what a stupid, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You just, just, just work harder. And if you want to complain, complain to your friend that's not in comedy. Complain to your mom or dad or your friend that's not in comedy. Keep improving your comedy. Clean up your social media. The, the festival may not want to bring in someone that's, that's got a lot of baggage and drama. Uh, when you leave a festival, or, 
When you leave a festival or get rejected from a festival, don't badmouth them on social media or at all. Don't badmouth them to other comics. Word gets around. I know comics that bash festivals, bash comics, bash clubs and bookers, and then wonder why they don't get booked. People are looking around. Be the type of person that compliments, not criticizes. You will begin to change your own attitude and overall well-being if you speak well of people as opposed to talking bad about them. Words have power. Use them for good and you'll get a lot further in life. Friends are more important than fame and love more important than wealth. Uh, Wow. don't, Don't trade your happiness to achieve some goal. Live in the moment. Life is a journey. Work hard. Don't burn bridges. That that's powerful, and I like that. Do you like that? Yeah, I feel like I got a little philosophical there at the end. You got a little preachy. Uh, I don't think it's preachy. Okay, preachy sounds like I'm. I'm I, I think I'm just being a little bit philosophical there. Yeah, no, you were. It was like a fired up TED talk at the end. Oh yeah, well, I'm just saying. I mean, this is just. I mean, as I said at the beginning of this whole thing, uh, yeah. M- Part of this is uh, me wanting to help people become comics, but another part of this is me just wanting to help people live better lives. Mm-hmm. And words have power. If you go around being negative about all the th- everything all the time, then you start to put yourself in it. And I know because I've been there. I've been there too. You start to put yourself in a negative place and you live in negativity and that you can never see the positives of, in things. But if you start to look for things to compliment, then suddenly you start to see the positives in things. Now, we just watched the movie Daddy's Home last night. (laughs) And in the movie, uh, the character played by Linda Cardellini, I think is her name. Uh, Probably not how you pronounce it. Uh, I like her a lot. And she's wife to Will Ferrell in the movie. And she says to him at one point, uh, uh, you can see the positive in everything, right? Now, I think if you look at that, And then you listen to what I've said, and you've seen this character, Will Ferrell, in this movie. You would think, oh, finding the positive in everything means you're a very weak person that's getting pushed around all the time. And that's not what I mean. I hated Will Ferrell's character in that movie. He was a very weak person and a a pushover. And to be honest, I hated Linda's character in that. To be honest, the person that that I like the most – I think is supposed to be the least likable character, and that's Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, a deadbeat dad <laughs> who, well, de- who decides he doesn't want anything to do with his family. Right. But he ended up being the most likable in the movie. Um, and anyway, the point is, it, it, you know, you don't want to get pushed around, but you want to realize that things are positive and things can be good. And you got to look for the positive. When you're walking around looking for the negative, you're always going to find the negative. Because the world is filled with negative things. Comedy is filled with negative things. Negative people are all around us. But positivity is light. Be the light. Well, and and I think positivity is all around us too. There's positive things all around us as well in the world. But I think that there is such an emphasis everywhere we go on negative that... You just think that the negative is everywhere. So you have to sometimes get creative to find the things every day you're grateful for, to find the little things, because they're there. You just have to look for them and acknowledge them. And my point here with the stuff that you said was, you know, quote unquote, preaching. I'm sorry that I had hurt you like that. Well, it, 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 
my my point is that um, you know don't don't trade parts of yourself to achieve something that you may never achieve. You know, like if you're like I'm not happy right now, but if I could get this, then I would be happy. When and if you do get that, you're not going to be happy because you weren't happy trying to get it. That thing will not make you happy. You got to be happy where you're at right now, but have goals to get new things. So you be happy and satisfied doing comedy. If you can't get booked anywhere but on the own sh- and on your own show that you book in town, then you just make that show the best show in town, and you have fun in that show. Eventually, you're going to get things because of that. Because you got to create. You create what's good. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to tell you how festivals have helped me. Uh, earlier and probably 2000. 12 or 13, I did the Charleston Comedy Festival. Now, I've done that several times. I lived in Charleston. I did that. I was a, in Charleston, there's no comedy club. Uh, so I took, I did improv with Theater 99, and they would put on a comedy festival every year, and they would bring in comics from all over the country. And the locals, we would get to host and do things like that. And one year, I hosted for Rory Scovel. And uh, Rory Scovel. Uh, missed my set. I had a great set. He missed my set, but he told me after, he said, I heard a lot of laughs. This is the first time I had met him. He said, I heard a lot of laughs. He said, I'd love it if you'd send me the video. I'd like to watch it. So I sent him the video, and apparently he watched it. He wrote me back this long, nice email encouraging me to do comedy and to move out of Charleston. Uh, Just, just, Basically, I think he wasn't saying move from Charleston to Nashville. He was probably saying move to New York or, 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 you know, L.A., a bigger city where he said you can get better so much faster in a big city like that. And I think he's right. But, you know, I made the choice I made. But um, uh, it helped me a lot. So doing that festival, interacting with comics that were better than me really helped me. And then in 2014, I did the Cape Fear Comedy Festival in Wilmington, North Carolina. This was the first festival I had submitted and gotten into out of town. And, you know, I met some people that I'm still friends with to this day from that festival. Um, you know, I mean, that's only five years ago. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I met people that I, that I really liked and I enjoyed hanging with. Uh, I have since gone back to that club and headlined a weekend at that club. Uh, and... It was great, but there was no industry at that festival. There may be now. I don't know what's going on with it now, but during that time, there wasn't. But that helped me because then I signed up for the Laughing Skull Festival in 2015. After being rejected, I'd gone and did an open mic. I signed up in 2015. It was a competition. I didn't win, but I made friends. My friend Chris Buck out of Jacksonville, that's when I met him. Uh, Steven Spinola? Yes. Well, I met him at a different place, but I hung out with him there. Yeah. So, and then I did that festival again in 2016. Didn't win the competition. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't advance. Didn't, uh, you know, but I made friends. No industry talked to me. They were there, but they didn't talk to me. 2017, I submitted for the Bridgetown Comedy Festival uh, on the recommendation of my friend Lucy from Zanies, and uh, I got in. Now, Bridgetown was a was a, is a big-time festival. I don't think they do it anymore. I got in on the last year, but it's a big-time festival. and But I think it's because of my resume of doing other festivals and other things that I had done that, al- that allowed them to pick a guy from Nashville to come to Portland, Oregon and do the festival. And that festival 
sent my video to JFL. They liked my video. They sent it to JFL uh, just for laughs. And so I got in contact with just for laughs people. You know, so my first established contact was then. They basically, you know, offered me an audition for. Uh, New Faces unrepped, but I was repped at the time, so I couldn't do it, so I did a repped audition, and uh, I didn't get in, but that audition with Just for Laughs unrepped got me Late Night with Jimmy Kimmel, so I did the Jimmy Kimmel Live show based on that audition, and then I went back in 2018, I skipped 2017 because I did Bridgetown, I went back 2018, did the Laughing Skull Festival again. This time, I did an industry showcase, and I came in with the heat, and you know, basically stuff from that 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 led from that. I ended up getting um, Just for Laughs unwrapped in Montreal. Uh, it wasn't a direct, but it led to things that led to me getting Just for Laughs Montreal, which is a comedy festival, and also what led to me getting the Tonight Show. So. Living in, and then from there, you know, I've done 2019. I you did, also got management after. Right. I got management. I got agents. I got everything uh, because of comedy festivals. And then I did the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in two, 2019 where I furthered that. I met more people. I met more. But this time you were invited to them. But I was invited and I made money. And then I did Cluster Fest in San Francisco where I was invited and I made money doing it. Later this year, I think I'm doing the Edmonton Comedy Festival in in Canada. And it's like all of these things happened because I did these comedy festivals. But they happened uh, because I was ready, because I was working, because I was pushing all the time, and because I was always recording new videos. What I also really like about that story is that there was so much failure that preceded the success. Right. There was a lot of rejection. There was large swaths of years where industry was not interested in you at all. At all. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even talk to me at comedy festivals. Yeah. But I kept working. I mean, in 2015, I auditioned for Last Comic Standing at our club in Nashville, at Zany's in Nashville. And I got the audition. They were like, all right, we want to fly you to New York City for a second audition. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I went to New York City. I auditioned, and I didn't feel like I got it because it was uh, in Gotham at noon in front of 12 people. And I was like, no way I got that. But they called me, and they were like, all right, you're on to L.A. You're going to be on the show. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So in 2015, I fly to L.A. I'm on the big time. I'm last comic standing. It's the big time. I'm pumped. I'm feeling good. I'm over the moon confident. I'm wearing cowboy boots. I'm feeling good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't be feeling more confident. I'm like, I'm on top of the world. I'm about to crush this competition. And then, you know, I'm I'm gonna take over the world. Wow. And I got on there and I didn't make it to the next round. Yeah. And so I was a little, I was pretty disappointed and I got on a plane, but I was like, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to Atlanta and I'm entering the Laughing Skull Festival. And people that win the Laughing Skull Festival get late night shows. It used to be that's how it was. So I was like, that's what's going to happen for me. You know, I'm like, you know what? I didn't get Last Comic Standing, but I'm about to get Laughing Skull. 
So I, I didn't know a lot about booking flights back then. So I booked a flight from L.A. to Nashville. And then once I landed in Nashville, I got in my car and I drove to Atlanta. So I got to Atlanta just in time for my round of the competition. So I parked, I got out, went inside, went on stage, performed, had a pretty good performance. The judges voted. I didn't. I failed to advance to the next round in Laughing Skull. So, so much rejection. Two days back to back, I failed to advance in the Laughing Skull Festival, and then I failed to advance in Last Comic Standing. Back to back failures. And I'd be throwing in the white flag. Like <laughs> I then. <laughs> but you know what? I I the reason that. It didn't matter to me that much is because I love doing comedy. I wanted to keep doing it. I was like, I'm still having fun doing it. I just want to get into clubs. The only reason I've ever wanted any of this is so that I can build fans so that they will come to my shows so that anyone will book me. That's why I, I that's the only reason I ever care about followers on social media. That's the only reason I don't even want to be a social media person. I post stuff on there because I do enjoy something if I think it's funny. I enjoy sharing it, trying to get a laugh there too. But I don't care about I don't want to be a social media comic. I want to be a stand-up comedian in front of people on stage. But social media plays such a big role now where if you have this huge following on social media, that clubs will book you. I mean, if you if you you know if you have a viral video and people want to see you, you'll get booked. And people look down on that, but it's like they're making the clubs money, and and we're all just trying to you know do this and that. I don't. It's like I never. I don't. I don't really want to be famous. I just want to have you know sold out shows. But I enjoy doing comedy, so uh, I'm having a good time. And that's Are you having a good time. I am having a good time, and that's my journey. That's my journey with comedy. That's a beautiful story, and I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah. Well, I'm sharing it because, you know, people have said to me, uh, oh, a lot of people don't give away the tricks. Don't, you don't give away the – I don't think it's tricks, honestly. I don't, I don't think I've been tricking anyone. I don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. I'm just sharing my journey in hopes that you can follow this path. You know, someone asked me also about not drinking. Um, they said I quit drinking and uh, my first set didn't go well. And I, I, I will say this. When I quit drinking, I thought I was going to quit comedy. I mean, drinking was so much Drinking was so much a part of my life. All my jokes were about drinking. I loved drinking. That's all I wanted to do was go to the bar, have a few drinks, do a little comedy, do some shots, hang out with my buddies, run around downtown Charleston. I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved drinking and eating hamburgers and pulled pork sandwiches <laughs> and pizzas and biscuits and ribs and biscuits and bacon. I loved it. I mean, I love I love smoking cigarettes and dipping and <laughs> chewing tobacco. I mean, I'd do them all at the same time if I could. I used to smoke so much that I couldn't breathe and I would dip until my lungs would heal themselves enough to be able to smoke again. I love it. I I I've drank I drank mimosas at brunch and then switched over to liquor as the day moves on, and then I threw up out in front of the bar and then gone back in and kept drinking. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have a great time. Yeah. But I had to give those things up because I was hurting myself. I was beating myself up. I looked bad. I felt bad. 
but I loved it. So, yeah, if I could keep doing all those things, I would keep doing them, but I can't. My body can't sustain it. I'm not built for it. I think that I'm built to be a good, good old farmer and uh, that just, you know, works in the field and enjoys some vegetables and maybe some eggs that I raised and myself and lentils. And I'm just that kind of person. And I. And let's be honest, some frozen yogurt and ice cream. Yes, yes. But I, you know, I, I can't keep doing those things. So when I quit drinking, it was such a shakeup to my life. I quit drinking and smoking in the same day. It shook up my life so much that I thought, I'm going to quit comedy. And I, I, I thought about quitting comedy. And uh, because I was like, all I do, because I lost weight pretty fast after I quit drinking, because I really changed my life around. And I lost 40 pounds in two months. And I mean, a lot of it was on my face and my gut. So it disappeared fast. And I looked like a different person immediately. And so, but I had a lot of jokes about me being fat and about me being an alcoholic and about me being disgusting. And I was no longer fat, alcoholic, or disgusting. Well, maybe a little gross. But, um, I, um, so my life changed. And so it was hard. Were you a dirty comic too? Uh, not really dirty. I'd cuss a little bit here and there. But no, I never was really dirty. That's just not my style. And, um, and, so it was hard, but you know, I just kept doing it and as I quit drinking my I always describe it as my brain cleared up. So as my brain cleared up, I started to see things more clearly. I started I always carry a notebook or or nowadays my phone. I still like the notebook, but I always am trying to write down ideas of things that I think are funny and uh you know, and I just you know, the, the more you do that, the more you start to think of funny things, the more you're trying to write. And, and it's harder for me uh, a little bit now because I'm even becoming less cynical of a person. So I'm like, oh, do I even write jokes about now? But they are coming. They, the jokes continue to come. I mean, just when you think jokes aren't there anymore, they continue to come. So you just have to continue in the thought process, continue thinking, and know that alcohol doesn't make you creative. It doesn't make you funnier. It gives you the illusion that you're funnier because it gives you confidence. It gives you a false sense of confidence. So as you quit drinking, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose that confidence that it gives you, and you have to find that in yourself. But this is what my friend Justin Burke, he was in a, uh, a band a while back, and I forget what the band's called. I, I'm sure he still does music. He was an incredible musician. He's a friend of mine in, in Charleston. And he, he, he drank, and I'm pretty sure he smoked weed, I don't know. But he, he told me that he doesn't like to do anything like that. He doesn't even like to have a beer before he performs because he gets such a high off of performing, a high like no other, that even a beer before his performance will kill that high. And, um, and I agree with that. I mean, I think the high that I get off doing comedy is like no other. And oftentimes, the more nervous I am, the bigger the high will be when it pays off. That's why I feel like I was borderline sad after my second Tonight Show appearance for about a day because I wasn't as nervous as I was the last time. So I didn't get the high that I had got the first time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So after doing the Tonight Show, I was like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't feel that buzz like I did the, the last time. I still felt good. I still feel great." But you've lost 
that love and feeling. <laughs> right. Well, I don't think I lost the love and feeling, but uh, it is like, you you know, I mean, I imagine they say you do crack one time, it's pretty awesome. You do it the second time, it's not as good. I've never smoked crack, so I don't know. But um, so I, I just think that, that you know, that you, once you quit drinking, you're going to have a bit more fear to do comedy on stage. But um, that fear can pay off. The fear, the nervousness turns to adrenaline, and you're like, let's get it, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm feeling pumped up. I'm fired up. Uh, this is, I think this has been a, a good podcast. Uh, as far as things I've been listening to... Um, we'll be riding wildfire. the shows I was doing told me that uh, he'd been listening to my playlist on Spotify. So I have a, a playlist called Dusty Slay's Country Radio, and uh, I just have a lot of country songs that I really like. I'm going to keep adding to it. If you want to go on there, uh, subscribe to that thing. You know, I'm going to be adding country songs all the time if you like it. Currently, I don't think there's not one single subscriber to the playlist, <laughs> but uh, you can't Subscribe, And I just got a lot of country songs that I really like. I'm always going to be adding to it. And I'm going to be defining it into a way that makes it some of my favorite country songs. And um, so um, uh, I just think there's some really good stuff on here. And I don't think I'm going to play a song this time. Actually, you know what? I'm going to play this. uh, uh, Let's see. Nah, I don't don't need to play a song today. you can go on there and listen to that if you want because I have a lot of country songs on there. Comedy. I don't know that I've listened to anyone's comedy since since last week. I've been on the move so much. Uh, I did. There's a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Brassard. Uh, I watched his Tonight Show as I was, you know, just kind of researching and looking for, you know, people's sets as I'm getting ready to do my own. And I thought his set was really funny. Matthew Brassard is his He's name. really good. He's a good joke writer. Yeah, and I really enjoyed his Tonight Show. And I think he's a very funny guy and uh, a nice guy. I've met him and worked with him a few times. You know, check him out. Uh, he's very handsome, too. Yeah. Classically handsome. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you don't have to compliment the guy right I, in front you know, of just, me. It just but, seemed uh, like you were painting a picture and I was just completing it. <laughs> You know, they're like, "Oh, who's this? Some some fat sob?" Or, "Oh no, no, he looks like a like a prince in a Disney tale." Yeah, he is a good looking guy. I wouldn't, you know, I I, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just completing the picture. Well, I wouldn't come right out of the gate with talking about how good Matthew Broussard looks, but well, uh, I didn't. Also, I worked this weekend in in uh, Pittsburgh with Derek Minto and Felicia Gillespie. Uh, and I thought they were funny, and they had good sets, and uh, I enjoyed them, and uh, nice people, and uh, a wonderful time overall. So Wow, we love Pittsburgh. Thanks for the good times. We really did love Pittsburgh. I, I mean, went running on the trails. I mean, there was... We, we, I tried to take Dusty for a walk, but, oh, he was not having it. It was hot as S up in there. I mean, I've been, I was running all weekend, and then on Sunday, I said, why don't you get up, and, and I'll take you for a walk. Let's get you exercising. So he said, okay, and dang, we made it about a half block, and Dusty just started firing well, It was up. 90 degrees. All I had was jeans, so I'm wearing jeans. And then she takes me on this trail that runs right alongside the train track. So this giant train's coming. I'm like, I got train heat coming at me. I got the sun <laughs> coming at me. We're, we're right next to asphalt. I'm like, can't we just walk in? 
I said, though, like once we get past this one part, it's going to go into like the beautiful forest green trail. Yeah, but I wasn't willing to go past all nah, that. No, he wasn't. He got cranky. So we went to a Books a Million and walked around inside of it. Yeah, we just sat in AC. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope this is helpful. Uh, next week, uh, the podcast will be um, working at actual comedy clubs. This is going to be. Whoa. This is going to be my. Insight, good advice. insight on getting booked, which we've talked about in the past before. There, again, I don't want people to get so pumped like it's going to be some magic trick that's going to get you into clubs because it's not. It's still work. Uh, it's never-ending. I mean, until you get uh, management and agents, uh, it is never-ending work to get into clubs. Uh, but it's fun. It's a blast. I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, I'm. I, it's much easier for me right now. Right now, people are really booking me. I got gigs on into 2020, uh, and yeah, but look what you've been through: belligerent alcoholism, right? Uh, you know, almost heart attacks through eating, right? But you know, but the point is, it's like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade any of that for the amount that I that I've spent learning how to get into rooms, learning how to. I've done all kind of comedy rooms, and I think that. Ex- Experience is invaluable. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the type of rooms that I've done, and I'm sure a lot of people out there have done them too. I mean, people always, you know, I had this one guy. I was telling him, I was like, "Hey, this won't be the worst crowd you ever do." And they're like, "Oh, I know." And it's like, "All right, I get that you know," but they had been doing comedy like a year, and it's like, I get that you know because you've probably done worse rooms, but I don't mean you're going to do bad rooms, as in you're going to do an open mic filled with drunk people. I mean, you're going to be doing rooms. Where you're getting paid money to entertain people that don't even feel like they want to be at the club. So get used to it. Learn how to do that. And on an open mic, you can just bail at any time. But if you're getting paid, you got to be up there, whether they like you or not. So uh, it's an exciting journey. We're having a good time. I'm happy that Hannah's back with us on the podcast. Um, and congratulations on Just for Laughs. Have fun Thank in you. Montreal this week, Dusty. Thank you. Variety Top Ten. I'm very excited. Yeah. Oh, I want to say that before we get out of here. The Variety magazine. I got a physical copy. Uh, it's unbelievable. My name is in it like three times under my management, Levity, Judy Marmel. She got a nice write-up in there. It's awesome. She manages, also manages Sebastian Maniscalco, and he's on the cover. Uh, and then I got a, I got a mention with, uh, you know, with UTA and then I got a mention for variety top 10. And then I got a mention in there talking about late night bookers, uh, where I, you know, talk about how Michael Cox really helped me shape that first tonight show set. And it's just, it's a wild ride and I'm having a good time out here and I'm happy that I'm getting to share this with people and I'm happy that, um, well, I'm just happy in general. So thank you very much. 